With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? Doing all right. Um, Thursday, last day of classes for the week. Um, doing okay. Um, definitely could be doing a little better if the Yankees got a better result out of last night's game but yeah overall I'm not doing too bad myself how about you LJ I'm doing all right you know busy 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 week but we we keep on moving it absolutely is I feel like that's just the college motto is just keep on moving just keep swimming Brandon just keep swimming well LJ um we might as well we'll start with the NLCS, um, so we don't just absolutely uh, bury that, that game. Um, really good game, too. I mean, I was able to watch pretty much all of it. I watched from the beginning right up into when the Yankees game started, so I didn't miss much of the action. Um, I mean, I didn't expect it to be this high scoring, given the pitching matchup. I also did not expect Blake Snell to outpitch Aaron Nola. Um, but both of those That's things. A very rel- those are very relative terms. He outpitched Aaron Nola, LJ. I know you don't like Blake Snell, but. It's anyone- not that I don't like Blake Snell. I don't think either of those performances were all that impressive. I'm not saying that either was impressive. I still think Snell was was the better pitcher. Yes. Um. And it got started with the Phillies putting up a four spot in the second inning. It was three straight hits or four straight hits they had, I believe. Um, One of them, Juan Soto, just completely lost the ball in the sun and right field. Um, 
that made it two nothing, and then uh, Schwarber eventually grounded out uh, later in the inning to make it four nothing. Bottom of that inning, Drury, uh, that is a Brandon Drury and Josh Bell back to back homers to put the Padres on the board, scoreless till the fifth when the Padres put up five runs thanks to singles from Austin Nola off his brother, um, Aaron Nola, who's pitching. Juan Soto doubled to tie it. Brandon Drury with another big hit that scored two. And then Josh Bell with um, another RBI hit made it 7-4 San Diego. Um, two kind of, I believe LJ calls them window dressing. Is that what you call it? This These kind of meaningless home runs at the end of the game. Manny yeah, Machado. That's Sorry? That's fair. Manny Machado homers and then reese hoskins homers bottom seven top eight respectively eight five is your final the padres tie it up as we head back to philly for games three four and five um i mean great offense showing from the padres or yeah from the padres um i don't really think the phillies played that bad they just got to aaron nola um the one guy i want to focus on though how about Josh Hader once again coming in and uh, getting the save, his fourth save this postseason? Whatever was going through him, you know, like whatever he was he was going through. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Um, in the regular season, and especially at his end of his tenure in Milwaukee, and pr- pretty much the entire time he was with the Padres, he's shaking that off. Um, and it's just looked lights out in the postseason. Yeah, it's been absolutely terrific performances. It's been a good month for him, too. Let's not pretend that September wasn't also an excellent time to be Josh Hader. He really did settle in. And it's that same conversation point we've had on this show time and time again. Relievers are the toughest thing to trade for. Or I should say the riskiest thing to trade for. Just because there can be such variance when you get a guy into an uncomfortable position. These people need to be kind of this sounds terrible but they need to be coddled to an extent because when these guys aren't comfortable they don't pitch nearly to their best and you need these guys constantly at the best that they can be well game three will be on friday and it will feature a pitching matchup of Joe Musgrove versus Rangers Suarez. We did preview that a little bit yesterday on the show. Um, they'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then no travel off day. They'll go back to fill to San Diego Monday and potentially Tuesday, or um, if it goes to game six and seven, um, but yeah, that series is tied up at one and a huge game three tomorrow. Beautiful. Um, yeah, there's not much else really to add. Brandon put this together pretty well. Uh, I guess it's time to move on to the other other series, of course. It is. We have Yankees Astros game one of the ALCS. Justin Verlander versus Jameson Tyone. Astros heavy favorites coming into this game. Heavy favorites to win the series as well. Harrison Bader homers in the second inning off of Justin Verlander after he looked shaky to start and through those first two innings was really running up his pitch count. Um, and 
Harrison Bader, fourth home run in six games, um, just making himself a Yankees playoff legend. Um, and you I know, believe somebody called him the Bronxville Bomber. The but... Bronxville Bomber. I love that. Um, he, he's been so good. Um, Darth Bader, I've seen thrown around as well. Um, un, unreal. You know, we thought we were trading for uh, an elite defensive center fielder and we got that and him also turning into Barry Bonds in the playoffs so um very nice then bottom of the second the Yankees do what they do best they allow a hit um to the worst player on the other team this time it's Martin Maldonado doubles over Aaron Judge's head um to tie it up we're scoreless until the bottom of the sixth inning where the Yankees, for whatever reason, choose to bring Clark Schmidt back out for a second inning of work. After pulling Tyone after four and a third, Schmidt gets a miracle, a double play with the bases loaded. He gets Kyle Tucker to ground into a double play. For whatever reason, we decide to bring Schmidt back out for second inning. He gives up two home runs, makes it th- two solo home runs. Yuli Gurriel, Chaz McCormick makes it three to one and from that point it all the wind went out of the Yankees sails you just knew that there was with the way that the Astros had been pitching with the way that Justin Verlander settled in I mean there was one point where he struck out six or seven batters in a row had retired over 10 in a row at one point um you know you just kind of knew that that it, it was all uphill for the Yankees from there um they then finally go to Luch Provino, who gets, you know, two outs, seven pitches. Um, and after that, they bring in Frankie Montas, playoff debut. He gives up a home run on the first battery phases to Jeremy Pena, who absolutely killed the Yankees all night. Um, and then they brought in Miguel Castro to close it out. Yankees have a little bit of a rally. Rizzo homers in the eighth. Big at bat with Josh Donaldson and Matt Carpenter with runners on base in the eighth inning. Um, They're both, or actually Josh Donaldson walked and then Matt Carpenter, huge at bat. He strikes out, looked awful. So did Josh Donaldson. Um, That's a combined 0 for 7 with seven strikeouts from them. Not good. Astros went 4 to 2. Game 2 tonight. Luis Severino versus Framber Valdez. Um, before I let LJ talk, and I know I am going on a bit long here, I just have to say uh, it's it's a little ridiculous that, like, why is Domingo Herman on this playoff roster? If we couldn't find a place to use him in the first five games of – or in the five games we played against Cleveland, and then we clearly value – Clark Schmidt and Frankie Montas over him. Why is he even? Why is he here? Like, what? What? What purpose does he serve? Just sitting in the bullpen doing absolutely nothing. Um, Clark Schmidt, by the way, I have nothing wrong with the guy. I think that he was super impactful for us during the regular season in his role. To make him this just absolute high leverage, um, we're going to put the season on the line, game on the line, 
multiple times. Every time you pitch is going to be extremely high leverage, except for when we use Jamison Tyone over you in game two of the ALDS. But now, oh yeah, against against uh, the 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 Guardians in game three. Yeah, that's fine. We're going to throw you out there for the most important point of the season. Uh, against the Astros in game one, we're just going to throw you out there and we're going to have you go out for a second inning as well. Um, Once again, it's just, it feels like we're managing these games like it's not the playoffs. Extremely frustrating. The last point I have on Aaron Boone, um, no pinch hitter for Jose Trevino in that ninth inning. Oswaldo Cabrera didn't he I don't I don't know you would rather have your your catcher with one hit the whole postseason with a 130 OPS in the playoffs you would rather him come up your number nine hitter rather him come up to take swings um against Ryan Presley who's only one of the best closers in the league instead of maybe pinch hitting there's no there's there's just no it's like it's like they're it's like that they were expecting to lose from the get-go because they saw the pitching matchup of Justin Verlander versus Jamison Tyone. And Jamison Tyone only threw 67 pitches and looked really good. He held the Astros at bay. He got out of jams. Um, yeah, he had the three walks, and he didn't strike out anybody, which, you know, I don't mind because I thought that he was he was, he was was actually holding his own given the circumstances. He was good and it's enough. Just, That's all you were asking out of him. It's uh, we we could not have asked any more from him. I I just so question whether or not sixty seven pitches was like like what the Yankees were thinking taking Tyone out. Maybe try to let him finish that fifth, or you know bringing Clark Schmidt back out for a second inning when we saw how good Miguel Castro looked in that ninth inning or in the eighth inning. There's a lot of places we could go, and I will hold my Clark Schmidt commentary because we've heard it time and time again. I don't think it'll be able to stay out of the show, the episode title, but. Um, Why don't you just do it? You can just do it. Clark Schmidt. The postseason one was the biggest. I might, I might only capitalize the postseason one. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different places you can go with this. But I'm actually going to, you know, first off, double up on there is no reason Oswaldo Cabrera is out of a single matchup in this postseason. How has his last couple, how has this, especially the last month, you know, how has he done anything to prove that he's something other than essential to this lineup? How? What is he, what didn't he do? And so that, that drives me crazy. There's no reason he wasn't in the lineup to begin with, I have to feel, especially when you're putting Isaiah Kiner-Falefa back into this mix. Well, I did see something, and it was that Justin Verlander struggles against righties actually more than he does lefties, and since Cabrera's a switch hitter, they wanted him. They didn't want to keep him in the lineup. But... Well, first off, if he's a switch hitter, he always has the option to just hit lefty against a righty. But I, I digress. Either way, it's Justin Verlander. It couldn't be that big a split. It couldn't be that big a difference. You got to put the best lineup out there. Further, this is more asset mismanagement from Boone 
when we talk about Carpenter. And I know you're not going to call call him on this because, you know, you are angry with Matt Carpenter rightfully, so that was a very poor performance. But I can't entirely put that performance on him. I honestly, honestly can barely put that performance on him. You know, this is a guy who was really good for you during the regular season. Really, really good. Yeah. And so you decide, here's your usage plan for him in the postseason. We are going to give him two pinch hit at-bats through the entire ALDS, his entire warm-up period, after having sat for a good amount of time. Granted, injury stuff as well within there, but you had him sitting. Two at-bats. And then you decide to toss him in for a complete game against the best pitcher in the American League? Like, come on. I I, I campaigned the entire DS for this guy to get into the lineup at least once. You they couldn't do it. Nope. They just they just couldn't do it, LJ. They can't do it. And so not only would that have helped them maybe win a game earlier in the DS, but there, you know for sure he would have been better prepared for the CS matchup. He would have been better prepared prepared for Verlander. And after this, you know, you talk about you're not going to want to put him in against Framber. There's a decent chance that we don't see him again in this postseason. That's an absolutely ridiculous statement. That there is a, a I would say there's a reasonable chance that he does not start another game in this postseason. It seems I I'm struggling to wrap my head around it. This guy should have been in the lineup ages ago, and that would have helped them right now. That would have been a, that would have made a difference, especially when he leaves four runners on base last night, and you lose by two. Having him in at least one of those one maybe two of those DS games would have made a difference. And not only that, um, you also have the, you know. The Josh Donaldson hitting fifth conversation, I mean, that terrible. Matt Carpenter, I get, but I saw a tweet, and it's like, maybe if, maybe, you know, if you would have activated him for that four-game series in Texas to end the year, like you promised us you would, like you kept saying, oh, yeah, he'll be active for the last, for the last series. So he didn't have to sit around. Maybe this wouldn't have happened, and we wouldn't be in this uh, situation. Um, regardless, though, 17 strikeouts, Astros pitching looked really, really good. Yeah, um, we have to also bring this up because this is another storyline here. Justin Verlander, that was just a rest-based issue, I think, in game one of the DS. This is exactly what you're expecting out of Justin Verlander in the postseason, was it not? Yeah, but I thought that in the first two innings it was he was very shaky. The pitch count was was very high. He was he he plunked Rizzo, then he ended up walking Rizzo later on. Um they were stringing together actual good at bats. Like there was a there was a point in time where I was like we could get him out of here by the 5th inning. Cuz of the That's pitch. Fair. Count. You know, you look at it that is fair. That those first I would say probably the three innings, and yes, that fourth inning where he struck out the side. Yeah. That's where things turned around. But either way, that's kind of the natural course of things in high leverage games. You know, you're not always going to see the best guy show up right away. Either way, this, I think, Justin Verlander is going to be the poster child for the struggles of this new postseason format. Because 
that his struggles here is much more characteristic of what you'd expect his struggles to be. Well, now the Yankees, you know, and I was expecting to lose last night, but just not when it felt like the game was so winnable at a point. And that's what makes me so frustrated. And LJ, one last thing. It seems like we're always talking about the Yankees and their asset mismanagement. Asset mismanagement is my word of the postseason. And I love that word as a finance major, of course. But also, look, LJ. We cover all 30 teams pretty in-depth. Like, obviously, we're going to be more Yankees and Red Sox-centric than any, you know, than than anyone. There's no team that manages like the Yankees, right? Like, we we pretty much made that clear that what they do is just so – they create so many problems for themselves and so many talking points that, like, no other team really does, right? Yeah, I've never seen another team – with so much self-inflicted pain, I mean, I guess maybe if we're looking for the second-place team, you're talking Chicago or Miami, but with Chicago, Cubs, Cubs. actually both. But um, no, this is a hundred percent right, and especially when you look at the quality of the organization, and that's why we talk about them so much, is because this is an organization of high quality an organization that goes out and wins games. But it could win so many more games if it handled itself like other franchises. Like, you can't tell me that with better management, better front office, this team couldn't be just as, if not more, successful than the Dodgers. Could be more successful than the Braves. Could be more successful than the Rays. These are all organizations where yes some of them i just named two of the three teams i named were big market teams but they don't have nearly the resources that the yankees do they don't have nearly the capabilities that the yankees do and yet they find ways to continue to just every every year they look more and more solid every single year their program their assets grow they don't shrink and a lot of that is the fact that they are willing to you know, keep the churn. They're not overcommitted. They're not overthinking things. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing with those three is the fact that they embrace youth. They embrace that stuff, which is something we've seen, especially this year, when you look at the whole Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswald Peraza BS throughout the end of the season. That's a striking image of exactly what the... Braves wouldn't do what the Rays wouldn't do, what the Dodgers wouldn't do. They find ways to get these guys in there, get them involved, and get that confidence up without them being in massive high leverage situations. So we talk about it because it's warranted, because they could be so much more than any other team if they just put themselves together. Well, LJ, you have anything else to touch on today? Um Clark Schmidt. Okay, I'm 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 done. I think. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Check us out: Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, MLB Daily Pod. We'll see you. All right, one more time. Clark Schmidt. See you manana.